Welcome, everyone, to All About Windows Phone Insight Podcast 146. We're recording this on Wednesday, the 15th of July, 2015. We're a day late, but who cares? We've had about a week to digest some rather big news, but in the meantime, I'll introduce my co-host, Rafe Blanford. Yes, hello, everybody. Some big topics to get through and also more Windows 10 mobile to talk about. We'll get through as much as we can, but I suspect this is something we'll be uh, talking about on both of those topics for quite some time to come. Yeah, I guess the, the main news, obviously, is that uh, Satya Nadella, um, about a week ago, just after our last podcast, in fact, <laughs> made what, uh, what I called another tough round of job trimming at Microsoft. They've got about 100,000 employees worldwide. It varies according to who you talk to, but it's around 100,000. They've, they've uh, basically let 8,000 go over the next few months, mainly from the divisions which are involved with making the budget Lumia smartphones, and mainly from those within the, the factories in Finland, I believe. So there's clearly some trimming down across the board. It should be put into context, I would emphasize, that Satya is basically trimming the fat across all aspects of Microsoft. This is just the phone section of it. He's also let Barrett, the, the, the Uber connection go, and he's sold off some of the, the ad, ad advertising work, etc. And across the board, over the last 18 months, he's made all sorts of cuts and trimmings and lets products go and uh, rationalize things. So this is kind of just the, the, the latest and la hopefully last bit of the phone side of the business being axed. However, I should emphasize, and he emphasized in his communications, um, that they, they, they will, they're still committed to first-party phone hardware. And for every single person, every one of our listeners who have said for months, if not years, Rafe, that uh, there have been far too many budget Lumias varying by one single digit, and it's really hard to work out which, remember, which one's which, which is for which market, which has 3G, which has 4G, um, that finally they're going to do a, a sensible thing and uh, basically rationalize it. And I suspect that means... Each year we'll see something like two budget phones, maybe one or two mid-range phones uh, and a couple of flagships. And the mid-range phones probably along the lines of the 640XL, which we both loved and, of course, which would be perfect for uh, Enterprise. And they did mention Enterprise in the communications as well. So uh, very sad for the people being made redundant, of course, especially in Finland, which has been hit so hard after the uh, moved from you know Symbian over to Windows Phone and jobs moving to America and then now factories being closed down. So it's very sad for them. Uh, ultimately, as someone who is, owns my own company and on a vastly smaller scale, I can appreciate that sometimes you do have to make a few tough decisions in order to keep the company going for the future. And uh, I guess I'd put that in this particular round of job cuts in that category, Rafe. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I don't think there's any way you can kind of escape from the conclusion that, uh, you know, just as we've said a couple of times before, it's kind of the end of an era, you know, when Microsoft bought Nokia device and service division and then when there was the initial round of uh, job cuts which itself were actually uh, pretty big as well and now there's been the, this other set when microsoft bought nokia's device and service division it took on about twenty-five thousand employees about five thousand of them are left uh, as you rightly mentioned um, the axe has probably fallen hardest in finland uh, where i think they're down to something like 900 or so maybe a thousand employees um, and actually it's just as much in research. I mean, the factories have partly already gone from Finland, but yes, there is more in that area. And I'm assuming quite a bit of it as factories elsewhere in the world, which actually did make up, not surprisingly, a fairly significant amount of the workforce. You know, this comes after there were big cuts, um, in the UK when Symbian went. That used to be, you know, a big center for Nokia 
both yeah. uh, in the London offices and out in the outskirts of London as well. Uh, and then there was sort of in the first round of job cuts, actually they fell pretty savagely in, um, in, in China and also in the US. And so, you know, Finland was spared a little bit, although actually make no mistake, it's suffered quite enormous, enormously, you know, because obviously that was the home base of Nokia. So, uh, you know, to me, this is actually a, you know, a very big deal, uh, in terms of it, it kind of closes that chapter on Nokia and then subsequently Microsoft as a mass market mobile phone manufacturer. But in many ways, I think the writing's been on the wall for quite a while. You know, there hasn't been the, uh, whether you would think it was uh, anticipated or the potential of it going to lots and lots of device sales. You know, it's been reasonable in one sense, but it hasn't gone to 10, 20% market share, which obviously I think you know, both uh, Nokia and Microsoft hoped it would. I mean, how realistic that view is, I guess that's a what if and looking back question. Um, in terms of kind of, the high level looking at the corporate stuff, it's also very significant that Microsoft has basically taken impairment charge of $7.6 billion, and that's related to the assets associated with the acquisition of Nokia's device and services business, and also some restructuring charges are in there as well, I think another seven or $800 million pounds worth, which is just huge numbers when you start thinking about it. What, means is, what it means is Microsoft has actually effectively written off the acquisition of uh, the device and service division that it made, you know, two years ago. In fact, it's more than it paid um, uh, Nokia for that uh, part of the company. And so that's kind of a pretty damning indictment of the, the last two years. Whether it was already too far gone, I think is maybe a question for another podcast. So it, it certainly is the end of an era in that sense. Um, but I think what there has been is kind of this knee-jerk reaction that it's the end of Microsoft doing devices and it's the end of uh, Windows Phone. And I think Satya Nadella was very careful in the way that he talked about it. I mean, I think you could perhaps argue this was another case of the uh, PR perhaps not being communicated as well as it could have been. But, you know, we're, I'll, I'll come back to kind of my wider view on this in a minute, uh, Steve. But I think it's, it, it, I mean, would you agree that this is kind of the end of an era and obviously what's left of Nokia devices and services much smaller people in numbers but it's probably also worth saying that actually you know nokia has shed you know the mobile phones business effectively i mean going forward i one imagines that will be continued at a very small scale while they you can still sell some of the models available but there won't be future developments there you know the smartphones aren't like the glory days of, of simply you know it being cut back and inevitably you need fewer people to do that uh, and perhaps the scale of ambition is being uh, sort of rolled back, but Microsoft is still very much in the game, and there are still going to be a lot of talented people working uh, for Microsoft Devices Division. And actually, part of the, the wider scope of this is what does it mean in the future? Microsoft Strategy, we'll get on to that in a minute. But do you think that's a, a fair assessment? I do, absolutely. I think I agree with everything you've just said. Although I would just put everything in the context of the phone market now being very, very different than it was two or three, absolutely. four years ago. I mean, we've now got this enormous surge of. Android hardware, a lot of it actually isn't, um, you know, devoted to Google Play services. We've got Android devices coming out of the woodwork out of Asia and China, running their own services, independent of Google. I was actually reviewing the Xiaomi Mi Note Pro for the phone show this week, and of course that you have to kind of sideload the Google Play Store to even get Google services on this Android flagship. So, the, the, and the, there's also this huge groundswell of budget, really rather rubbishy Android hardware, as well as some quite nice budget hardware just across the world. It's just there's a massive onslaught, hundreds and hundreds of manufacturers producing hundreds and thousands of models. And 
Well, even the iPhone doesn't really have 20% market share in many markets. Um, so despite all Apple's premium uh, good looks and good technology and so forth. So it's, a, it's an incredibly competitive marketplace. And I, I, I do have to ask the question, what... What does it mean for our, the readers of allaboutwindowsphone.com and listeners to this podcast? And I would say, in actual fact, not, not a lot's changed. Microsoft says it's still committed to a range of models. It's still committed to first-party hardware. It's, it's, it's committed actually more now to flagship hardware than it was, say, last year when it was uh, rather wishy-washy. So, uh, it's, yes, apart from the sadness that and the, okay, it's the end of an era and you can, you can always look back and, and uh, with rose-tinted glasses and think how wonderful things used to be and all the mistakes that management made. And maybe you're right, maybe you're wrong. But in terms of the future, I would argue there's just as much to look forward to now as we've had to look forward to over the next last few years. Uh, and I think that's the critical thing here. I mean, in one sense, you can be quite callous about it and say it's a reshaping of the business to the reality that it's now in, which is, uh, you know, a relatively small share of the global smartphone market. And, you know, that was kind of reflected in the way that Satya Nadella talked about this. He said it's, you know, moving from a strategy of trying to grow a standalone phone business, which is what Nokia was, you know, it was trying to be at this mass market phone business to one where they're trying to create a, a Windows ecosystem the, and with the devices kind of supporting that. And that's where they refer to the first party family of devices. Um, and, you know, there was some talk about in the near term, uh, there'll be a more focused phone portfolio around those three different areas. And actually the three different areas don't sound all that different to the areas I always heard about in Nokia presentation. But I think you're right. We will probably see something in the value end, something in the mid tier, you know, 640 is you know, probably a good shout. And then there's just a question, will there be, you know, four or three models? Um, and I think, you know, there'll be Excel versions of them where appropriate. Um, they're also going to pull out of some of the markets which are, are more marginal, but a lot of the key markets, you know, places like the UK, uh, Italy, France, where Windows Phone is done best, you know, they'll obviously get the most support. Um, it will probably be harder to get ho hold of a, a Windows Phone from an operator in some markets, but the sales numbers there, you know, basically weren't justified. And so, you know, of course, the thing is by, by scaling the business to the appropriate level, then the number of phones that you need to sell to break even changes radically. And it's one of the calculations we've talked about in the past. Obviously, with fewer employees and, and smaller overheads, you know, perhaps you have less capability to do things. But a lot of those were in the sales channels. They were in the factories. And um, if you focus on just developing it, of course, the devices. Now, don't get me wrong. I think that's actually quite risky. And there's absolutely the potential it could be cut altogether in the future. But I also think it's easier to justify that the continued existence of that than sort of this big, um, heavy organization. And we've actually seen something very similar happening from some of the other manufacturers as well. And certainly when Microsoft acquired Nokia, even before that, it did feel like it was uh, an overly heavy organization at times. And certainly both Steve and I have had experience of that um, over the years. Uh, nonetheless, I, I think it's absolutely possible to say it will now be a lot easier for Microsoft in maybe three or four years' time to say, we're just going to cut our losses and get out. But because mobile is so fundamentally important, I think that's unlikely. So while a lot of people have, I, I think you have to be careful not to be blindly optimistic as a, a Windows phone supporter or fan or however you term yourself, or even you're just someone who likes the products. Uh, and I think both Steve and I would fall into that category. We, use, you know, we're passionate about mobile in general and actually use all the different platforms at one time or another. And, you know, we're writing about Windows Phone and actually we could be writing about other things. And actually we, we frequently do as uh, diversions in the podcast with a test to. Um, but I also think it's very important to 
realise that it's not a concession of defeat. Um, there is this question around, it, it does look bad, and I've had several people come up to me and go, oh, that's it for Microsoft in mobile, and, and that's it for Windows Phone. And, you know, just as there was that moment when Stephen Elop kind of abandoned Symbian Amigo, and that had a knock-on effect out of the proportion to what I was expecting, and Steve actually called it right at the time, so I have to give him credit for that. I, I think it's actually very important to realise, as I said, it's not this concession of total defeat. There's a couple of reasons for that. Um, you can look at Windows Phone device sales themselves, and most of them are still coming from uh, Microsoft. They're, you know, so killing its own device would actually kill off the platform. I really don't believe that Microsoft will want to do that. I think the other thing that's really important to realise is if you look at the positioning around Windows 10 and where Microsoft sees that going, I mean, of course there's a heavy mobile component because that's where they see the future and that's where there's lots of devices. But things like universal apps, the ability to port in from other platforms and actually just the whole focus of the company in terms of you know uh, cloud and mobile first means that uh, mobile remains incredibly important. And this idea of, of Windows sort of evolves from just being a desktop OS to being mobile as well. And it's where we've talked about Microsoft perhaps having an advantage over kind of almost the technical debt that Android and iOS have as being mobile first and foremost. And Windows 10 is kind of resetting things to be not quite agnostic as to whether it's mobile or desktop, but it's certainly going there. And so the focus of Microsoft clearly now is on Windows 10. And will it really be able to turn things around? There's certainly, it's, healthy to have a degree of skepticism there but it's interesting in a couple of interviews that i've read and actually probably the best of these is with mary joe foley on Zedina, it's quite clear that uh Satya Nadella, i mean he's effectively saying that they're banking on kind of the importance of converged experience this idea of multiple devices and having a consistent experience across them and you know emblematic of that is this idea of continuum the idea that you'll effectively be able to turn your smartphone into a computer by connecting it to a bigger screen and having a a, a bluetooth keyboard um so essentially microsoft is betting that there won't be an os specifically for mobile uh you know it's a really interesting bet because i'm not sure i completely buy into it but it certainly seems to be the most sensible path for them to pursue. And of course, that does mean that they do still need first-party devices, and I don't see that changing in the foreseeable future. And actually, they're going to offer something a little bit different. So I think that's really healthy. Now, I think the concern for this will be inevitably, just as it has been up until this point, is the size of the ecosystem. What does that support in terms of services and apps? Um the counter argument to that, of course, as it becomes one platform, you know, the stuff on desktop will bleed into mobile and Microsoft still has a massive big advantage on, on desktop. Of course, the counter counter argument to that is that things are happening on mobile first and actually desktop. You don't see loads of apps being developed for it. Um, I think it depends whether you look at the consumer or enterprise hat on it. It does, does change things. Um, I, you know, as I say, I think it's quite a complex uh, thing to think about because there is going to be a lot of change but i, I you know that really convinces me that uh, microsoft is certainly for the for the next couple of years and really when we talk about that kind of time frame mobile we're talking about the foreseeable future is going to remain in first party devices we'll have to see what happens i don't think anyone should be under any illusion that kind of the backup plan if you like is and something that microsoft will do anyway is to continue to develop their apps and services for iOS and Android, and indeed, if anything else emerges, no doubt they'll support those as well. And that kind of is plan B, but plan A is still very much to have sort of a certain amount of 
Microsoft-controlled hardware and devices, although I'm sure they'd love third parties to do it as well. And the experience that they can create through that and what they can learn from that will be very valuable. And, you know, just as the Surface devices exist and you don't see sort of chat about them being cut, despite the fact there's a lot of PCs out there, maybe that's the reason you don't see them being cut, but uh, kind of that's a diversion. I think the Microsoft's own devices, the Lumia range, will play a very similar range. And so I, I don't think you should be under any illusions if you're listening to this. You know, Microsoft is stepping back from being a mass market player, but really that's where it's been with its couple of percent market share for a few years now. It's a, almost an adjustment to that reality and far more sustainable going forward to think that um, you know, Microsoft and more importantly, its shareholders will continue to support the investment in, in devices. I, I do think that will mean there'll be some less interesting things in terms of the innovation devices. But then you look at you know what Microsoft has done on hardware and surface. It has produced arguably some of the best tablets or those transformer devices. I think it can still do that in phones. And although I think there's going to be a lot of demoralization in the device and services team, you know, there's still a lot of talent there. And absolutely they can come up with some of the best hardware in the world. And if you marry that to the Microsoft service and software, that is still incredibly powerful. The 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 kind of the the De- Debbie Downer in me goes Ah, but it hasn't got the ecosystem. That mass market, that scale is really important. But I actually think, you know, as I'm talking about it on the podcast here, I think <laughs> if you treat Windows as one platform and start to be agnostic about whether you have mobile or desktop yeah. um, operating system, that starts to matter less. Not it doesn't matter at all. And I think it's, you know, the, how well these porting tools for Android and iOS work will be absolutely critical. And actually, I think in the next few years, there's going to be a whole conversation around how apps change. Um, and uh, you know, don't get me wrong, I think you know, Android and iOS are still the big leading ecosystem, so it's you know, still going to run away with it in the next few years. Um, but that's a reality that's probably been faced in the last few years. And so I think for some of Microsoft's most ardent supporters, and people who really like the phones, I include myself in that, um, it's probably a reality check that's, if anything, a little bit overdue. But it doesn't, as you quite rightly say, I think nothing has really changed that much in reality. I think uh, it will hurt people who are maybe looking for the best value devices in some markets, which Microsoft will now choose to withdraw from because they're not trying to be this mass market on every single operator. Yeah. But for those of us who are looking for a really great experience based on Microsoft technologies, if anything, that added focus will be be to our benefit. Um, but, you know, a big part of me is very sad to see this happen because you do remember the glory days of Nokia and how it was all powerful in the mobile industry and how that has slipped away, how Europe has lost Nokia as a mobile devices company. Uh, and what's left is you know, no doubt a shadow of its former self. I mean, its legacy is still felt throughout the industry. Many of the technologies and the services and ideas we rely on were first thought about in the first versions developed at Nokia. Um, but it, it, it makes me wonder whether that next chapter is, is still going to be there. And Microsoft, I think, does have a chance about, you know, writing part of that. Um, but as I say, you know, to me, it's about scaling, you know, for the opportunity that's actually there and they can address. And that, that realism is, ultimately probably a good thing um even if it, the, the impact of it is quite frankly a little bit depressing when you first hear about it and of course that human impact on people have lost their jobs and you know particularly for finland which was so proud of nokia you know and uh, and rightly so 
And um, I, I think Microsoft won't be the most popular company for quite some time to come because of that. Um, and there is absolutely the risk that, you know, in the next couple of years, they might go, no, we're, we're going to stop doing devices. Um, but, you know, I don't think that's any any different to where we are now, where they could go, they're just going to cut it all together because we can't be mass market. And so, say, so that refocusing and that kind of fitting where they are in the market makes a lot of sense to me, even if it's sort of set in the context of something I, I think it's probably fair to say is quite doom and gloom if you if you don't look for the sunshine um, in between uh, in between those clouds. Yeah, if you remember, actually, Ray, just thinking back to the quote "glory days" of Nokia. I mean, let's face it, S sixty dominated the planet and Symbian and so forth back into two thousand and six, two thousand and seven. But in actual fact, for for us personally, and for all people who read all about Symbian at the time. Um, let's face it, we were basically interested in the top, I don't know, 10% of devices, the devices with the fancy cameras and the best specs and the best keyboards. And in actual fact, I think this this move from Microsoft to refocus, I think, if anything, it will actually improve the amount of choice and the, 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 the quality and the specs of the hardware that we'll be playing with over the next year or so. I mean, many people have likened this this latest move to um, at last bring in some Windows 10 mobile flagships um, it to be like the get almost like Google's Nexus program, saying, "Look, okay, we're in first-party hardware. We'll make the best darn Windows 10 mobile hardware we can possibly make in the 940 and 940 XL, and who knows, maybe even a 1040 next year. Who knows? I can dream. Um, but ba- basically, that will almost be like Microsoft Nexus, and it's not expected to sell as indeed the 1020 didn't more than I don't know a handful of million maybe across the world. But they will be available. They will be competitively spec, competitive, reasonably competitively priced, and for fans of the platform and for Windows 10, which will have a you know a big ecosystem via the desktop and tablet as well, um, we'll, we will at least have some flagship hardware to play with, Ray. So again, it's a totally selfish point of view, but from the, from yourself and myself and the people listening to this and reading the site, in actual fact, we've still got that 940, 940XL, etc. to look forward to. So yeah, I'm I'm optimistic, which sounds rather strange given the premise of the news item. Yeah, no, and I think that's a perfectly reasonable position to take and certainly in the short term there's going to be uh, you know a lot to look forward to um i mean if you try and think about this from a corporate point of view obviously the big write down and these drop losses as they do make it easier for microsoft to walk away in the future with actually relatively financial impact i still think it'll be very emotionally hard for them to do that to walk away from 15 years in mobile which is effectively what they would be doing if they abandon their own devices and a, a company the size of microsoft can indeed uh, so afford to carry a little bit and sort of look at benefits beyond just the the margins, which they couldn't do if they were trying to make it a this, this mass market um, you know devices business. And by tying it into uh, to Windows, you know, it's interesting. I mean, there is this wider issue for for Microsoft, of course, is where does it its future go? Um, you know, when people already recognise that you know the legacy Windows and Office business, perhaps how how sustainable that is in the long term. I, I don't really want to get into to that now but i think with this it's also not putting all its eggs in mobile terms in the windows phone basket so that's obviously very good for uh microsoft but also actually it's arguably quite good for windows phone because it doesn't have the expectations if you like uh, attached to it you know as i say i really worry about what this does to the ecosystem particularly third-party apps and um you know services associated with it because you know Apple and Google will be tying more and more services in and there's still going to be that kind of weight uh, towards those platforms. But is that all that different to where, where we've been been now? 
Um, yeah, it's it's a, a really interesting one, that, and I think it does depend on how well Microsoft can execute on this. If you like this one Windows vision, um, so you know, I, I think if I was being very pessimistic, I'd say, oh, you know, this is just one step to an inevitable road to abandonment. But you know, uh, I, I spent years being optimistic about it, so I'm not really going to change now. Um, <laughs> uh, and I, you know, actually really look forward to seeing what devices do come along. Um, and you know, from a you know, all about Windows phone point of view, we expect to be writing about those. We expect to be writing about the device and the software and the services. You know, for the foreseeable future and much more than that. We we can't really say at this point in time. I suspect, um, like everyone else, we'll be wondering how mobile is going to evolve. And what is this involvement of desktop and how does cloud change things? Because actually, you know, there hasn't really been a big shift um, since the rise of the iPhone. And yeah, arguably the clouds come in and started to change things around there. But, you know, this whole kind of phone with apps is uh, a model that you know, actually was pioneered effectively by Symbian and uh, by Nokia for the most part. There were some other licenses as well. And it was then refined, arguably perfected by Apple and the addition of that touchscreen. But fundamentally, the model isn't all that different. Um, things are starting to change now, I, I would argue, with more um, kind of intelligent assistance coming in, this idea that uh, the web and apps become much closer together with things like deep linking, the service provision kind of being tied into the platform level and actually something like Apple Pay, I think is a really interesting example of that. And, you know, mobile up until this point has been about sucking things in and being in convergence, but actually it almost feels now there's a broadening as it kind of reaches out to and you know, as a result of all that convergence is able to be many things in many places. And does that mean, you know, the way we think about platforms and apps sort of evolve? And certainly the Microsoft vision of Windows is is an intriguing one. I mean, it's not like it hasn't been tried before. The idea of continuum, you know, you go back to things like the HTC Advantage or the Motorola Atrix. But actually there is a, a subtle nuance in what uh, Microsoft is, is trying to do there. And so it's going to be fascinating to watch in the next few years. And I absolutely believe that Microsoft is going to have a, a big role to play. Um, it's going to have a tough time of it up against uh, Apple and, and Google because they do have the platform advantage just as Microsoft did in the desktop years. But it, in one sense, I also feel that that's perhaps less important than it was you know, in the in the desktop era and, and mobile is somehow a little bit different. Uh, and that's all the kind of the context for this, this, this big change. And you know, I'm sure we're going to see, you know, more ways going through the mobile industry as time moves on and you know how apple deals with that you know and how you know with apple kind of treating the device as being the intelligent thing and using the cloud to enable that intelligence android and google on the other hand put a lot of the intelligence in the cloud and treat the device more as a kind of dumb endpoint which of those is you know interesting and then actually windows is effectively somewhere in between the two and this idea of multiple devices becomes a lot more important. And actually, this you know, device becomes many devices in one sense with a continuum. So, you know, it's so really, really fascinating. Um, and that's you know, when you have a big change like this, of course, it starts making you think about the future. Um, but in the short term, of course, you know, there's going to be a whole bunch of job losses, which will be very painful. There's going to be new devices announced, which have been, you know, being developed over the last couple of years. Windows 10 Mobile is going to come out. Um, and so there's quite a lot of momentum to happen in just the next 12 months is really going to be dictated by what's been done up until now. After that, it, it does start getting really interesting. And, you know, we will 
undoubtedly probably be talking about the number of devices that Microsoft chooses to release and has it uh, reined in its ambitions in terms of the number of places it has sales representatives or the number of deals it does with operators and what does that mean and what's the impact on the ecosystem. But in one sense, I think it changes the conversation that we might have about it. Uh, and it's probably being realistic to say that, you know, it's not going to be directly competing with Android and iOS in the sense of it you know, trying to become a, the third ecosystem. Or is it? I don't know. You know, that's all, all part of the debate. So I'm sure you're going to hear a lot more about that on the podcast over the next few years. Indeed. And uh, it's not just, of course, um, new devices uh, coming out. They've got to remember that most Absolutely. of our listeners and readers have existing devices, which will get an upgrade to Windows 10 Mobile in about two or three months' time, we think, the official upgrade. Although, of course, if you're on the Insiders program, you can play with it today. And I would just note that there has been a new build, uh, Windows 10 Mobile build 10166, which I've been running for about a week or so now on the 1520 and on one of my 1020s. And I have to say it's it's pretty solid, Rafe. Uh, I would I would class it as a better shape than Android M, which I'm running on a Nexus 5 beside it, both rather bleeding edge previews. But um, I, I think I'm, I can see a position now whereby Windows 10 Mobile will be ready to appear, um, certainly on finished devices at the start of September. Um, when it, Presumably that's when the 940, 940XL will get launched. So, and then the, normally we allow about a month or so for the over-the-air updates to start appearing for existing devices. Um, I, I guess I would ask one question briefly, Rafe, is that uh, when this upgrade appears in, say, October, how mandatory do you think it will be to upgrade? I, for example, I'm going to take my 1020 as an example, my main 1020. It just runs, apart from the usual areas where it's a bit slow, it basically runs very smoothly and it's all optimised for Windows 8.1. And I do kind of one worry that parts of its advanced camera functionality will kind of get lost in the Windows 10 mobile upgrade. I mean, will people who are very happy with how their 925 or 920 or 720 or whatever are running, do you think they'll they'll be forced to upgrade or will they just simply be able to, yes, later, later and keep putting it off for a number of months? I, I think it will just be later, later, as you say. I mean, actually that happens now with kind of 8.0 to 8.1 for people who are just, you know, scared of updates or for some reason uh, don't want to update. And I actually think there'll be more people kind of reluctant to upgrade to 10. And certainly think about my devices. I'll, I'll think twice about it, um, definitely. Yeah. Um, and I'll probably try and get my hands on a Windows uh, 10 device and try that rather than update an existing one and probably work out quite well because as you say the updates tend to come a little bit later because in some ways some of the biggest things about uh windows mobile 10 and particularly the continuum feature aren't going to be available on the existing devices i wonder whether as you say that kind of tuning it becomes important fact most people aren't going to notice but for those who are listening to this podcast if you like the geeks uh or shall we say the technically astute to give them the polite (laughs) name uh are certainly (laughs) going to think about it and you know the insider program it, it is a good example of that in one sense because you can kind of get a taste for it. And I look at it and go, at the moment, I'd quite happily keep my Lumia 830, which I noticed also the device that Saturn Adela has. So obviously one of us is to play very good taste. I'm not sure which way around <laughs> it is. Um, so, yeah, no, I don't think it's going to be mandatory by anything. I think you might get irritated by the number of times it asks you to update your phone. And, but if you don't mind that message appearing every now and then, probably the advice here would be, though, to make sure you turn off the automatic updates um, because yeah. potentially at least you could wake up and have, or an inadvertent button press could mean updates with, before you even realise what's happening. Uh, but it is interesting. You're, you're right. It's, it's absolutely getting more stable. Um, it does feel a little more stable than... Uh, 
Android M uh, and actually I've been trying iOS 9 out as well. It's been a bit of a glutton for punishment, basically <laughs> trying all the new OSs out. And I mean, my overriding impression was actually you know, iOS 9 has a nice new task switch. And I, I kind of, that was the thing I talked about when someone asked me what was new on it. I felt it slightly depressing that that was the thing that caught my attention, that and the new font. And then Android M has also got actually numerous quite interesting updates, but it certainly doesn't have that big bang story that uh, Windows 10 Mobile has. And you could argue that's because uh, Microsoft seems to be in the opposite cycle in terms of every two years you kind of get the big update and every year you then get a a smaller update. Um, But yeah, it's it's an interesting one. This uh, build, and I've got it running on device, does seem to be uh, a little bit better. It's getting rid of some of the uh, store issues as well. And uh, some of the issues that we talked about on the previous podcast have now been fixed and Actually, not surprisingly, there's now a bunch of new ones as well. Um, I think probably the one thing to watch out for, which you mentioned in the story, is that when the first time you go into the store, it does seem to want to update an awful lot of applications. So I hope they actually improve that uh, again for when it actually uh, happens. I think uh, this update process, uh, because it's such a big change, is not going to be quite as simple as some of the in-place updates we've seen for, you know, going from... Lumia Amber to Black and all of those that we've had over the years. Yeah. This is actually a major relay of the operating system and many of the apps are getting really big updates as well. And because of the way that the you know, platform's actually now been split out in the sense that you have the operating system and then the apps can be updated independently of that, that does actually make the update in one sense a more convoluted multi-step uh, process. But it may well be that Microsoft is working on a way to kind of make that smoother smoother for the end users but i guess that's a good thing for us to report on when the time comes yeah now i have been doing some more benchmarking articles ray just want to cover this briefly um (laughs) we mentioned one in the last podcast i've now extended it before i was looking at whether ram made a difference in terms of performance of windows 10 mobile and i concluded that yeah 512 megabyte ram lumia 630 worked just as fast and as fluidly essentially as a lumia 1520 with two gig which was rather surprising but there we go it just shows how efficient the windows code is but then i i pitched well, i thought what about processors what about the number of cores what about the processor speeds what about the actual chipsets so i threw into the mix using exactly the same benchmarks the um the real world opening up skype opening up the facebook photos page etc etc real world things rather than benchmarking utilities i threw in the lumia 520 with you know a it's a dual core it's actually an msm 8227 which doesn't mean much to many people it's a one gigahertz low-end processor um in the snapdragon family um there's the and then also the lumia 1020 which has got a slight, slightly different msm 8960 at 1.5 gigahertz which doesn't sound like much of a difference just an extra 50 percent in, in processor speed but i'm guessing you have to kind of factor in the fact it's got two two cores ray from the fact that the 8960 is and the the, the lumia te- 920s the 925s of this world their the processors are they do have greater bandwidth internally and in the real world benchmarks i was finding the 520 was kind of struggling with windows 10 mobile i mean the 1020 was absolutely fine and i think all the people listening to this with a 920 and above that's class of device they'll have no problem at all but the people out there the 520s the you know set the 10 million or whatever they, they sold over a year in in the in, in the across europe and one of the most popular windows phone devices i think that particular one 
unless they do some serious tweaking over the next couple of months, I think that older processor will just struggle. And some of the times I was reporting in my table there in the article, Rafe, you know, opening up a new spreadsheet, 10 seconds from a template. That's a blank spreadsheet, which is the template. Um, but another one, opening up MSN News, the, um, the built-in application, 14 seconds to open that. I just think that's a tiny bit too long and people will get rather frustrated by that. Yeah, and added to that, in, in those kind of devices, there's only so many apps you can keep open at the same time, which yeah. can speed up the kind of the switching process. You just asked me, uh, will people uh, be able to avoid upgrading to Windows 10 Mobile? And I'm pretty sure the 520 owners would have to recommend that they <laughs> they don't do it right now. As you say, it, it could improve. And I, I guess it has to be a bit of a mea culpa for me here because I've been blithely assuring people that, yes, they'll optimise, they'll make it look nice and it'll all be fine. And Steve's being sort of rather more sceptical than I have. So well done, Steve, because you got this one absolutely right. Um, it, it is fair to say it is actually just these kind of lower end devices it'll be interesting to see how it does on the snapdragon 200 but i do suspect that um you know these oldest devices and actually we you shouldn't necessarily look at the um the cores or the speed of the process because that can be a bit misleading as to what the kind of the whole of the uh process and actually not just process it's a system on a chip and obviously um the memory comes into that as well but all the various co-processing yeah uh, for graphics and sound audio and other things all of which can take weight off that main processor and typically what happens on these lower cost devices is you get less supporting architecture and hardware and so actually the core processor itself has to work harder as well as being down spec so it's one of the reasons you get this um, but you can look at something like the uh, the Lumia 630 um, which in your you know your score actually does pretty well despite only having 5 12 megabytes of RAM despite only being 1.2 gigahertz but of course it's it's the quad core it's the Snapdragon 400 so it's a more up to date uh, kind of system on a chip and all that architecture and those code processors that go with it um, I, I imagine there are going to be some improvements before the final version comes along. Um, but it's not really a surprise to say that kind of the oldest, the lowest spec hardware is the one that struggles most with the new platform. We've seen the same thing on Android and iOS and to a certain extent, even um, sort of from 8 to 8.1. That was such a minor update. It was very difficult to spot. But, uh, you know, the, the 520, as you say, is one of the most popular devices. So it is an issue that is going to come up. Uh, but I, I guess the advice here would be that's <laughs> probably the device that you think hardest about not upgrading. And to be fair, the typical uh, purchaser and owner of that device, I wouldn't be that surprised if some of those devices are coming up for replacement, people thinking about, because it is a slightly older device, and also it's probably the sort of person who's not so into their tech, and so it's going to be less inclined to say, oh, yes, I definitely want that update uh, when it's offered to them. You know, I don't mean any disrespect by this. It's just typically, you know, those kind of devices are perhaps in the the hands of the less uh, tech savvy. Well, that's not always the case. You can't necessarily make that assumption. Um, but yeah, it's a, I thought this was a really interesting piece of uh, reporting, actually taking the time to go and look at this and bring out the real world figures. I mean, you can look at the benchmarks as well, and actually they show, show some similar results in terms of the raw scores. But, you know, you look at all of the other devices and go, yep, they run Windows 10 Mobile fine. You know, sometimes a bit slow to open up some of the apps. And it'll be interesting to see what the kind of the new family of hardware does. Um, you know, it's likely to be something like the Snapdragon 810. We don't know for certain at this point, uh, which isn't actually that much more overspec than something like the Lumia 1520. And one of the things I thought was quite telling was actually there's not that much difference between the Snapdragon 400 and the, the Snapdragon 800. Um, you know, their scores with a few exceptions and the, the 
browser, which is always a good test because it really pushes the processor with, with one of those. But for everything else, it was actually very similar. And, you know, even in, in some cases, it, uh, I think it was the weather, um, finding a new city, the 630 actually did better than the 1520, which probably tells you that um, when you're doing these tests, actually, you have to take some of the results with a you know, pinch of salt. There is a <laughs> kind of an error margin of a, probably a second or two either way. Um, and it's actually one of the reasons I'm sure, Steve, you used kind of round seconds rather than trying to measure it to the nearest tenth of a second or, or something <laughs> yeah. like that, you know, because we're trying to give a, a feel for it. So it's really interesting, this. But, uh, yeah, it seems you were right to be sceptical about the, the 520 in term processor, but you're probably wrong to be sceptical about the 512 megabytes of RAM. So okay, maybe we can claim one all on that particular um, <laughs> discussion. Uh, also, the 520, if I, my memory serves me right, and I do have one here on the shelf somewhere, um, I didn't have a micro SD slot. So, of course, one other big issue is that 520 owners will, if I know my 520 owners well, they'll have them stuff full of games and applications and basically be running with about half a gig free. And when they're prompted, oh, by the way, there's an update to Windows you know, 10 mobile, it's free. You'll need um, three and a half gigabytes free on your disk. They'll say, blow that for Game of Soldiers. I've got nowhere near that. I'm not deleting all my games. And that's one very good reason why they just, for sheer Absolutely. practical reasons, may well not upgrade absolutely and you know i'd say it it, you know you're feel bad about the environment for saying this but it really would be a good time to look at upgrading the device and the 640 in particular thinks a fantastic upgrade for uh, 520 owners it'll be interesting to see in you know another another six month whether we see kind of another low-end device which is tuned for windows 10 in some ways um be really interesting to see whether Continuum comes off just the high-end devices or whether it makes it into the mid or the low-end in time. Sure, it'll happen eventually. It's just a question of how quickly. Um, and, you know, it, it's one of those things about when you buy a lower-end device, I think you have to have a certain amount of realism about how long it's going to remain, you know, a good device to run the most recent the most recent version of the software. It's kind of the trade-off you make. You're getting a fantastic value device. I generally will run the, the version that it shipped with absolutely fine. But then the first couple of updates, yeah, it starts to get a bit long in the teeth. I guess it's equivalent to buying a iPhone 4S now or buying, you know, uh, trying to buy run off a Samsung S3 or something like that, where you know, yeah. in some cases the update will be available um, and quite often there'll be functionality missing. I'm sure that will apply to the 520 as well. But actually often you're probably better advised to stick with the version that it kind of shipped with, if you like, or one of the kind of updates when it was in the mainstream of its life. Uh, um, so it, it you know, feels like I'm kind of defending uh, the 520 or, or Windows Phone here, but actually I think it's a, a pattern more generally in mobile and actually probably computers as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. And before we finish, just very, very quickly, I witnessed in, in lieu of the normal app pick, I'm just going to recommend um, that if anyone's at all interested in MSN food and drink, health and fitness, or indeed MSN travel, all of which are fairly decent content applications, um, you should install them now before it's too late because Microsoft has announced end of life on the, their Windows Phone versions of those applications. Um, presumably this is to do with the, the cost of supporting them and keep, keeping them maintained with updates in the store. And the end of life um, dates are in a couple of months into the future, so you've got plenty of time, but do go and grab them. And as far as I'm aware, the, um, they will keep on syncing to the content that's still being produced for the MSN website, because that content's carrying on. At some point, they may start working, of course, but in the meantime, yes, if you if you haven't installed MSN Food and Drink, Health and Fitness and Travel, go and do it this week, and then you can enjoy them for the foreseeable future. And Steve, do you know whether that end of life applies to kind of the desktop Windows versions or whether they're going to get converted over to universal apps, which is kind of one of the reasons that they're being end of life? 
Oh, that's a good conspiracy theory for me to look into for next week. <laughs> All right, there we go. That's my homework. Good, good suggestion, Rafe, and a good, good theory. Because actually it's going to happen to a whole bunch of the Windows phone yeah. apps. Um, they're going to be replaced with their universal equivalents. And in one sense, all of them are going to be become to their end of life. Probably more noticeable for these MSN apps, which have had a whole series of updates the years. Uh, I'm not actually aware of them being end of life for the kind of the whole thing, because obviously they're still on Windows 8. And as I recall, you've, you've, we've seen examples of them running as universal apps on uh, Windows 10. So we'll have to wait and see on that one. Yeah, uh, but just, worth just, checking out. I suspect you may be right that when Windows 10 Mobile comes in, they'll, these universal applications will simply be there. And what they're basically saying is the Windows Phone 8.1 versions will reach end of life in terms of official support. But uh, So I don't really think this is an issue, but still, go and install them anyway. They're great <laughs> apps. And I, and I, I do like the MSN suite. They're, they're totally free. They feel like part of the platform, and they're fairly glossy, and uh, hey, why not? Especially uh, if you're a Lumia 520 owner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're completely out of time, Rafe. We're over time, so I'm just going to say goodbye, and I'll leave any last words for Mr. Rafe Lanford. Yeah, well, thank you for listening to this podcast. Hopefully it's been uh, informative and a little bit of entertainment for you as well. I'm sure we're going to return to these topics again in the future, but we'd love to have your thoughts or if you want us to address a specific question, let us know through the usual channels. But until then, thanks very much for listening and don't forget to tune in next time.